Hello, welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh. This is episode number 39. And let's just get into it with our questions. Here is our first email. If you have emails that you would like to send in, please send them in to radioiagp at gmail.com. We read them all. Please send them in. Dear Radio IAGP, what's your favorite flavor of coffee? Do you have a go-to coffee order? Thanks, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Um, favorite flavor of coffee is Texas Pecan. If I'm getting ground coffee from a, from a store, that's what I prefer to get. It rules. I don't even really like pecans very much, but the pecan flavor is good. The pecan flavoring and other things is really good. So I'm always a big fan of that. So anytime I can get Texas pecan, I'm I'm a happy camper and I am having a good morning. Go to coffee order. I used to work for a coffee shop as a barista and you were given free drinks while you were on your shift and some percentage off, maybe half off, I don't remember, for drinks when you were not on your shift. And when you are behind the counter making your own drinks, you can kind of go a little wild. So first you start like, I'll just make myself like a vanilla latte, call it a day. All right, maybe we'll add some extra shots. Maybe we'll do different milk. Maybe we'll add extra flavoring in. I'm going to get a blended drink this time that has a banana in it. So I have some something resembling food. Uh, that way I don't have to go buy a lunch from a nearby store. But eventually I started doing a, it would depend. When it was hot, I like to get it iced, and when it was cold, I like to get this warm. But basically, a large vanilla toffee nut latte with whole milk and two extra shots of espresso. And that was my go-to that I would make for myself. And then when I stopped working at said coffee shop, I would order that or as close to to that orders I could get at any other coffee shop I went to. It's really good when Starbucks started doing mobile orders because that meant I didn't have to tell another human being my drink and have to like list out all the things I wanted. I could just give the mobile order and then it would just be at a counter for me, ready to go, which was great. The worst that ever got was two extra shots of espresso and half and half in instead of milk in an iced version of that drink. The vanilla and toffee nut are really good. Um, I don't know, something about that flavor combination is really good, and I really liked it. So I just liked to get that all the time. The toffee nut has like a slight saltiness to it that reminds me of the salted caramel time of the year, where everyone is putting out a salted caramel drink or snack of some sort. And sometimes you want a similar flavor in the summer. So get an iced vanilla latte with toffee nut. If you don't want that many pumps of a sweetener in there, understandable. Tell them to get, tell them to do half and half, half pumps vanilla, half pumps toffee nut. I'm a nightmare person, and I would get all, all of the the pumps. Um, two extra shots. Do it with whole milk. Also, you should get light ice in that if you can. It's a good drink. I like it a lot. Thank you for the email, anonymous. Let's move on to our next email. Hello again. It's Brian. I've got a question for you. What overused term would you like to see gone from the lexicon of gamers? For me, the term Metroidvania is so overused and has no meaning to people outside of the world of gaming. Another one I can stand, another one I can't stand is this game is the Dark Souls of blah blah blah. Love you, Brian. Love you too, Brian. Um, I think it's roguelike for me. I think when Rogue was put onto Steam and it was labeled roguelike, I think... I think we kind of lost the plot on what that word is supposed to mean. I, I think it's still useful in a lot of cases. I think 
maybe run based could be more succinct than roguelike, you know, or roguelite even. The fact that we have two variations on the, or I guess roguelike like is also something that people semi unironically use. So yeah, two variations on the word roguelike means that it's kind of difficult to pin down. And I feel like roguelike also carried some connotations of the setting that you were going to be seeing in that game that I don't think is true anymore, if that makes sense. I feel like a roguelike was maybe in a similar setting as as rogue, the game. Whereas I think something like run-based gives you a more direct, easy-to-comprehend description of what you're trying to describe. Because I think most of the time when you're describing a roguelike now, you're just describing a game that has elements where you do a run of the game. You're expected to die at the end of that run until you get suitably powerful enough and skilled enough at the game where you go through it completely without dying. But every death brings you closer to that goal. Be it a Hades instance where it's like, oh, you're getting new power or you're getting narrative no matter what happens. If you lose on the first level, you're still going to get more narrative and more reward for having done a run at all compared to something where just doing the run, doing the run is powering you up um, like a like a rogue legacy, I guess. Something more in that vein. And I think run-based gets that point across better than roguelike does. And I would also agree with this game as the Dark Souls of blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think that, yeah, I, I think that Dark Souls is narrow in a way that there are few games that are actually like Dark Souls, if that makes sense. I don't think anything that has been called the Dark Souls of something outside of a Souls game like Dark, Demon, or Bloodborne, you know, has really capture the things that I think people like from that game and also the mechanics that make that game interesting. Like I've said before, I've gone on record, you can listen to the podcast. I don't like the Souls games. I don't like Bloodborne. I understand why they're liked though. It's not something where I'm like, I don't get it. I I totally get it. It makes a lot of sense. It's just not for me. A A lot of the mechanics are archaic in a way that I'm not specifically a fan of. Not that it's bad. It's just not for me. The way that the story is given to you is not in a way that I find particularly interesting. Again, it's it's cool for the people who like it. It's not particularly interesting to me. And I feel like when people describe games as the Dark Souls of something, very rarely is that game hitting the same things that Dark Souls does in a way that would make that comparison meaningful. I think most people use it as a way to say that a game is hard, which maybe Dark Souls is difficult, but that's not, that's one of many defining features of it. If it's, if the game that you're comparing it to is just hard, then just say it's hard. Saying it's the Dark Souls of something carries other connotations that I can't think of a single instance where that has been correct in relating the two. Like I play a lot of beamng.drive and I could 100% see someone saying beamng.drive is the Dark Souls of of driving games, but it's really not because you're able to reset freely and without consequence. It's more like a toy box. You could potentially say the driving is, but even then, I don't think so. It's pretty simple to get a grasp on, at least just with a controller I've never played with, you know, pedal and wheels. I don't even know if that's a thing you should do in that game, but it's, as far as I could tell, just like more of a toy box, right? So you couldn't make that comparison. I don't know. Just, I'm with you on that one though. 
comparing games to Dark Souls, I, I feel like has also gone out of favor, which is nice, but it should stay out of favor. Thank you for the email, Brian. Here's our next email. Hey, Radio IAGP. The video game gods have decided that you must reboot a non-video game property as a video game. What kind of property, or what property are you rebooting? What kind of game are you making? Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Okay, consider the following. Batman Beyond, but as a Telltale-style adventure game of some sort. I think that would be pretty neat. I haven't played the Batman Telltale game. I've heard that it's interesting and good. I haven't played it yet. Uh, Someday I will. I think I have it on my PlayStation. But I think... An action game gets across poorly what's cool about Batman, and I think would also get across poorly what's cool about Batman Beyond and the character and the setting. I think doing something open world would maybe be a little bit too ambitious. So maybe you have a game with some light adventure game mechanics and stylings. I also think you should be more focused on dialogue. You know, there's lots of good banter between Terry McGinnis and old Bruce Wayne and between Terry in in Batman Get Up and the bad guys. He's very quip-heavy, which is fun. I also think that Terry approaches Batman and what he's doing a lot uh, in a a much different way than Bruce Wayne approaches Batman. And I think that you should make that divide noticeable via game mechanics in that there might be some action here and there, but that's not the focus. You're not going from one room full of bad guys to another room full of bad guys like you would in a Arkham Knight, Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Origins probably. I haven't played that game, but from what I've seen, it's the same basic idea. I think a lot, when I think about Batman Beyond, I think a lot about Return of the Joker in that it was one of the few times that Batman Beyond cashed in on a bad guy that original Batman dealt with, but in the future. A lot of Terry's rogues gallery was made up of new characters to the mythos of Batman and that incarnation of Batman and the handful of times that they like reached back to bring an old character into the into the the future it's been very interesting and I find that the scene where Terry's fighting the Joker in Batman Beyond Return to the Joker um is really good because it helps imply a relationship between the Joker and Bruce Wayne. Or not imply, it makes explicit implications of that relationship within that universe of them knowing each other too well and the Joker being not even that great at what he does. <laughs> Basically being, but being able to exploit what happens between him and Bruce, if that makes sense. Joker knows the patterns of a Bruce of a Bruce Batman. He he understands what's going on. And then through the means that he is in the future, uh, the Joker does not know how to deal with someone who is being Batman that is not Bruce. And while Terry isn't the detective that Bruce is known to be, he's quick on his feet in a way that is able to get him out of that situation and getting the upper hand in that situation. So long story short, I think you basically don't take any inspiration from the Arkham games. Or if you do, it's just setting it's just setting it in the future, in a possible Arkham universe future. Bruce is old, Terry McGinnis is in is in the Batman suit, and he's not the same Batman. 
that Batman was very violent and willing to just beat his way through most obstacles. And I think you then use that to be like, hey, this Batman is different. He's not just, he's sneaking around. The less time he's directly fighting with bad guys, the better. So that's, that's it. That's what I would reboot. Thank you for your question, Tyler. You know what? Why don't we call it there? Just have a little quick episode this week. Thank you so much for listening. It's always a treat to see those download numbers when people listen to this podcast. Always a pleasure. If you have questions, send them in to radioiagp at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at implausiblyj. You can follow the brand on Twitter at implausiblya. Follow us on YouTube. Search Implausibly Average. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Later. Tell me that this little... Told you. No kidding. Catch Pokemon today after Batman Beyond on Kids WB.